This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hey everyone, this is Marcus Ohanishan. I am a e-commerce strategist. I come from a design background, went to school for it, have my own little agency built out of that. I love everything e-commerce. I've been in the Shopify ecosystem for a while, as well as WordPress space for non-e-commerce sites. Let's see, I love sandwiches, I love coffee, and I love craft beer. And those are my personal <laughs> anecdotes. I love that you lead with sandwiches because I feel like they're so underrated. So we could have a whole show about sandwiches because (laughs) seriously, like it just brings all the best of the best together in like one bite. It's so great. And it's portable. Mm -hmm. It's so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Try to find me a person that doesn't love a good sandwich. Seriously. Because I mean, you can, there's endless possibilities with sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't like a sandwich, you're probably like a robot. You're like an AI. Seriously. Or Or a serial killer. Something like there's something seriously (laughs) wrong. (laughs) I feel like I'm going to find a way in this conversation to tie in sandwiches to website design. I I will find a way some somehow I'm going to even make a note for myself. By the end of this show, we will tie back in sandwiches with all of this awesome stuff we're talking about, which is design, like you mentioned, you have an agency, you have a background in design, similar to myself. And so I I have a feeling this, there's going to be so many things we could talk about with this. Mm -hmm. But the title of the show for today is Clashing and Chaotic, the Visual Strain of Cluttered Websites. So that alone, there's a lot to unpack there. But let's just start, where should we start? Let's start with what's, what do you think the first biggest most horrendous kind of problem visually that people do with their website off the top of your head right off the bat just too much information trying to communicate too many messages like it's all over the map and it doesn't even have to be visually too you could you can have lots of messages in the tone and the paths to go down but it could just be a couple different things versus having a website cluttered with elements and components that are taking away from it visually, right? Yes. But just having too many messages as a whole is what I always Yeah. Say. I feel like especially when businesses are just getting started. So whether yeah. you have lots of experience and you're just now starting out and starting your own firm or or you haven't, either way, when this is kind of the first iteration of a website and you haven't done this before, you f- I feel like there's so many things you want to say to people. Mm-hmm. and. You know, I always, I feel like everyone tends to quote Apple or reference Apple, but I'm going to do that. (laughs) I'm going to do it anyway, because let's just talk for a minute about how hard it is to make things more succinct and take away those elements and those extra words. That's more complicated than just throwing it all in. Agreed. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's harder because your natural intention as a human being is to over communicate. Right. So, so when you're building a website, you're building the homepage and whether you're a new firm just starting up and your branding and your messaging is still kind of in the infant stages of getting developed or if you've been a firm for 20, 30 plus years, right? You're a legacy brand at that point. You have your yeah. messaging, you have everything dialed in. It's so 
easy to overload with. We yes. do, you know, same thing with service offerings, right? Every, you, you know, everyone's niche, niche down, you know, find your one specialty and <laughs> right. do that 200%, right? I mean, yeah. there's a reason for that, you know, because your messaging is clear, right? Yes. And it's, and it's easier in a way to dial that in versus putting everything on the table and hoping right. that some of that sticks, you know? Right, exactly. I heard a great, I, I was listening to Seth Godin one time and he was talking about how imagine you are in an obscure small town in Canada somewhere like fishing and you hurt your left knee. And all of a sudden, all your concerns and focus in that moment is, I need help with my left knee. Mm -hmm. And you don't care about your shoulder right now. Mm -hmm. You don't care about any other part of your body. Mm -hmm. You want someone who is going to fix your left knee. And so if there is an orthopedist whose website specifically mentions I'm especially good with left knees. Mm -hmm. You are going to go to that guy versus one who's like, I do toes and I do backs and, you know, I do kind of a little mix of everything. And then you kind of wonder, well, what about left knees? You know, yeah. is, are they going to be good? Have they ever actually done the left knee before? Or am I just going to kind of show up and cross my fingers? So mm -hmm. think about how, how that feels it, when you're in that moment where you really need the one thing. And if someone responds to that in that specific way, all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is my guy. This is my yeah. person. Yeah. Um, OK, so what happens when what's happening in the mind of the user when you do overload that website and you've got all the message and the visuals and the spinning gerbils and, you know, like <laughs> lights flashing and then the slider kind of going. And like, yeah. It's like, you know, what's happening? What's happening to that user? They are confused, first and foremost. They're overwhelmed. There's no trust being built, which is the main factor there. So from a, from a new brand perspective, or you know, the first time that this user is on your website and just wants to maybe learn what you do, your years of experience, your specialties, all that sort of stuff, they're not gonna learn by getting things thrown at them. So it's just yeah. like the common use case of you go to an e-commerce website and within the first two seconds you get a pop-up, sign up for 10% off. Well, yeah. I don't know what I want yet. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm going to order. I want to just learn about this product that I just saw in like a commercial, if that's still a thing, you know, or, yeah. <laughs> or somewhere else, right? Yeah, Instagram most likely, yeah. right? So they're there to get educated. So we always tend to lead with uh, education and empowerment is first and foremost, because when you educate them on the value, not the features, right? Yes. So I'm thinking about it in like almost the technology space, right? There's a, a good comparison of like the iPod, right? So... The, remember the iPod back in the day? Like not an, a, not an Apple watch or your iPhone, right. but the actual iPod that had the spinning wheel on it. I'm dating the, myself. But. Yes, the functional spinning wheel. And inside you could hear the drive actually like yeah. spin when you push the buttons. Yeah, <laughs> I love exactly. that. Yes. Yep. So yeah. going back to that, the, the Apple's marketing campaign behind all that was just the photo of the product. And it said, this can hold 5,000 songs versus yeah. this is 60 megabytes right it resonates more right yes so you're selling the features and the benefits of the product not the yeah. technical specs nobody cares about that stuff so yes. my point here is making it relevant to a website is yeah. 
educate the user, but in the most curated, non-obtrusive way, basically. Right. So don't lead with the legal jargon. Mm -hmm. Don't lead with like, you need XYZ legal form and I'm going to, you know, let me tell you about this case law, blah, blah, blah. Don't lead with all that stuff that many lawyers think makes them look great and smart yeah. and validates their law uh, school experience and make, you know, that's not what that that's not the way to do it. Yeah, exactly. So what uh, would be the what would be the translation then? So I, I'm trying to tell my user that I've got all this experience. I understand this kind of a case, but mm -hmm. I don't want to use the legal jargon. So instead, what should how should they say that? Yeah, so there's a couple different ways. One, obviously, is like dynamic personalization and get all techie and you can track where they came from and customize the messaging and marketing to that person because you know about them already. Yeah. Right. Which is what email marketing kind of does in a way, you know, just not with your name, but also like, you know, abandoned carts. I'm sure you've seen yes. e-commerce sites. You add something to your cart, you leave, you get an email. Hey, you know, and then they market. What happened? Yeah. Right. But from from a, you know, an attorney lawyer standpoint is it, it happens in the tech space, too. A lot yeah. of like web agencies will say, we do all this coding and we do all this technical stuff. And right. if you're a client or a potential client or an e-commerce merchant that needs an agency, none of that stuff means anything to them. You're just no. convoluting the message. You know? So that's what yes. I was saying. You can still have a nicely designed headline on your website, right? You yeah. get the, the logo, the navigation right under that. And like your hero section, we'll call it. You have like right. your tagline of like, we are this company and we do this. You could say that in many different ways. Sure. So the long-winded answer to your question is basically dwindling it down like you're talking to your six-year-old cousin or, yeah. you know, someone that doesn't understand what you do, you know, because I'd rather right. oversimplify it than overcomplicate it, yeah. you know? And then talk about, you know, you, you mentioned earlier talking about the value of it versus those kind of technical features. So instead mm -hmm. of like, you know, the, the case law or the legal jargon and all of that, yeah. talking about how you're going to, you know, help them find their freedom if it's a criminal defense firm right. or we're going to help your business stay safe or, you know, wherever yeah. the value is, what are they coming to you for? What are they saying when they talk? to you that they're why are they coming to you they're not coming to you saying i heard you know case law really well yeah. there's no client yeah. saying that when they walk yeah. through the door they're yeah. they're saying i am freaking out i ha i need some contracts mm -hmm. and i don't know what i'm doing and i feel insecure or whatever mm -hmm. their language is that's mm -hmm. what you use right so this is this is actually a good episode for me to be on because your target market is a bunch of lawyers and attorneys from what I know. Yeah. And I know nothing about that stuff. That's, I that's will perfect. Pay, I will pay you as much money as I need to for you to fix my problem. And exactly. And maybe make me money or may, maybe not lose money or save my butt in a potential lawsuit, right? That's exactly. the value that you guys are providing, that y'all are doing. And most people like myself, just the general you know, General Joe will call me, like have yeah. no idea. Right. So, <clears throat> Nor so, do you want to have any idea. So like when not. I have to deal with a lawyer for myself or my business, I don't want the nitty gritty details. Yeah. I want to feel that it's handled. Exactly. I want to feel 
confident that it's done. And same same when people come to me when they're hiring an agency, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty, especially of like what SEO does. Yeah. So, and I can tell, and I'm sure you have these conversations all the time when they've had they're having conversations and they're kind of talking to different agencies, and they've had that conversation recently with mm-hmm. a different agency, and yeah. so they've written down pages of notes, and it's like, okay, I was told to ask you the following 14 questions. I don't even know what these words. Yeah are that yeah. I'm saying right now yeah. and I'm like w- w- let's back up for a minute <laughs> yeah. we're not gonna do that <laughs> yeah they, yeah they're uh, just regurg- regurgitating info there that, that doesn't mean anything right. to them you know it doesn't it doesn't mean anything to them and they don't even know why they're asking me and they just feel like they're sort of taking my temperature to see if mm-hmm. it sounds like I know what I'm talking about so what, what do you do when you have those conversations what when you know how do you kind of back up and redirect that that conversation yeah so we get that a lot you're right as a as a web agency we get clients kind of all over the map all different skill set and expertise and some are technical some are not technical there's no right or wrong answer we've worked with a, a lots of different dynamics there what really sets us apart is we're not selling our service to you we're selling right. solution right yeah. we're solution providers and we actually take a more uh, engulfed approach so we're very selective with who we have as clients intentionally and with that, we'd like to really involve ourselves in your business and really ask the general business questions, not even website related. Right. So what do you do? How big yeah. is your team? What are your strengths? What do you, you know, and, and kind of really dive into it. And obviously, like, what are you using for this tool and all that stuff? The technical stuff is great. But yeah. we really want to understand what your objectives are as a business, because yes, if your goals are, hey, our online marketing presence sucks. You, we have an outdated website, great, we can make it look cool and pretty and fun and whatever, but it's not going to convert people to fill out your contact form or download a white right. paper or yes. reach out to you. So that's technically a conversion if that's the measurement that we're using here, right? Right, exactly. So what's the strategy there? And that's one thing that we bring to the table is we want to learn about your business and then we want to lo- learn about what your business goals are. Why yes. do you even have a website in the first place? Because some people say, well, you know, it's 2023 uh, and we need to just have a better looking website because maybe yes. they aren't mobile responsive at this point or something bad. Right. Um, but at that point, we, we like to kind of unpack what their end goal is. Why? You know? Yes. So and what their strategy is. Do they have a blog? Are they generating inbound traffic? You know, or, right. you know, right. what their strategy is there, because that kind of determines our recommendations. Yes. Okay. So it sounds like we have kind of got derailed talking about strategy, but honestly, I, everything that you're saying, I feel like is the foundation for the problems that these cluttered websites are having. And mm-hmm. so I feel like everything that you just detailed is the answer to fixing these cluttered websites. So it all, I firmly believe it all comes back to strategy and goals. And Mm -hmm. when you don't have those, that's when your website becomes a mess. That's when your, your brain becomes a mess too, because you're just going in a million different directions and it's clear on the website. So the website is just sort of a a symptom of all of that. So Mm -hmm. let's get into, because I feel like this is going to keep tying back to everything that you just said a minute ago about having that strategy, talking to your clients about having what their goals are, why are they coming to you, Mm -hmm. and then tying everything back to that. Okay, so let's dig into, let's start with, let's start at the top. Let's start with navigation. What are some of the problems that you see, like, Navigation, including that whole sort of header section mm-hmm. and the, the logo part where, you know, we typically put that logo in the top left, mm-hmm. navigation in the top right. 
Mm-hmm. What do you what do you see there in terms of mistakes, things people could do better, kind of mm-hmm. best practices, that kind of stuff? Yeah, there's a lot. So we'll, we'll zoom into the navigation first and then zoom out to the logo into some, maybe some utility icons that may be happening in like the top right. You know, I'm going to obviously generalize just from a website of course, design perspective. Yeah, sure. So with navigation, obviously, the, the obvious one is uh, too cluttered, right? You're trying to stuff too many things in a small real estate and without intent. So there's ways to have a big navigation but you can obviously do that with a thing called a mega menu, which is something that expands when you hover over, or even just a simple drop down. And yep. you know, in, indentation and you know, the UI and the design can help look clean, even though you're presenting a lot of information up front. Yes, yes. So that's first and foremost is a strategic, kind of mindful and intentful, intentional approach to navigation. But once again, this has to tie back to your goals. Because if you mm-hmm. don't know what your main purpose, that people right away, your number one main purpose for your website should be very clear in that yeah. navigation. Because that is the first thing people are going to see right after your logo. Right. So that's actually, to, to prove that point even more, that's our very first step in our process for a website redesign. Is we do, it's a process called information architecture. It's literally yep. just... What does your sitemap look like? What's the blueprint for this website? So we, I've been making this analogy for years with a website in a house, right? So you yes. can't build a house if you don't have the blueprint, right? We don't know exactly. how it's going to look, how big the things are, all that. Well, yeah. the sitemap is the blueprint for your website. So we yep. need to talk about the architecture, not only how many links will actually be in there, but also that kind of ties into your content direction. So. Right what content will go on those specific pages. And that will start to obviously dictate the design, which will dictate the development, et cetera, et cetera. So it all starts with strategy and architecture of your navigation. And that will dictate everything else sort of in the project. So that navigation, you know, desktop, obviously we're thinking about a small, thin horizontal strip probably, but you got to think on the mobile experience now where, you know, 75% of users probably, I just made that number up, but you know, yeah. uh, it's a high number um, yeah. are on many. mobile. Yeah, yeah, many, you know, yeah. you should be looking at your Google Analytics, obviously, to have a right. data-driven approach, right? To know those well, And numbers. this is gonna vary based on practice area for sure, because I know that we've worked with like pers- criminal defense attorneys where like they are, they have DUI clients who are coming right out of jail and mm-hmm. 95% of their clicks are coming from mobile. But then mm-hmm. there's like something like an estate planning attorney where it's, mm. you know, maybe yeah. 50-50 or less, you know, so if they yeah. have an older clientele and or whatever the case might be, knowing who your clientele are kind of mm-hmm. dictates that wh- whether they're going to be on a desktop, mobile, tablet, whatever the case might be. But right. it, it's usually pretty obvious and you don't even have to necessarily, like, it's good to look at the analytics, but oftentimes you know in your gut what that answer is. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So... I guess even to back up more is looking at your analytics first. If you have a current website online, dive into Google Analytics. Just yeah. hopefully you have that as a baseline metric because it's free and it's been installed probably, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And you should be yeah. looking at that to kind of dictate this redesign project and know yeah. which pages are the most trafficked, which pages have the highest bounce rate. There's so many metrics to look at. Really? But that's that's going to dictate that architecture navigation and ultimately the strategy of this new redesign that we're doing. So next question was, let's take it, let's pretend like we're, we are a law firm owner and we've got this website and we've had it for a few years and we have this kind of 
gut feeling that it might not be great, but we don't really know how to evaluate it. So mm. how would you as that that lawyer who has this website, how would you, you know, if you, you're looking at it, you're like, I don't know, maybe it's okay. It's, you know, it's, you know, kind of looks fine and whatever. Yeah. What are some red flags that you would like guide them through looking at to kind of evaluate if there's problems? Yeah, good question. So a good use case here is Craigslist. Craigslist has not been redesigned for years because it does <laughs> because it does something so well and it's so ugly. It's literally it's been the so same ugly. design since I don't know, late nineties, early two thousands, whatever. So ugly. But you know, don't don't break it if it's not broken. Is that the phrase, right? <laughs> um, so you know Don't, don't knock it or something. Yeah, don't try to fix something if it's not broken, I think that's the phrase. Yeah. Anyway, that's... simplicity is key there because they that websites still convert. People are still posting yeah. on there. People are still responding sure. to ads. People still go there, right? So that's, yeah. the, that's the use case there. But to answer your question, a site can look good, but it may not yeah. function properly. Like I said, right. you may not be getting the contact form submissions that you're looking for or right. the email list signups or whatever it may be, whatever phone that goal calls. is. Yeah. Phone calls, whatever that goal is that we have determined at the beginning of the project, you know? Yeah. So again, Whenever there's gut and uh, personal kind of thrown in as words, I always say, don't make it that, make it data, make it a yes. data-driven approach and look at your Google Analytics, look yep. at Hotjar, look at all the tools that you've implemented, hopefully at this yeah. point to, to review the past three months, six months, year, and start to see the patterns. It's just yeah. going to pop out at you. You're going to see it and, you know, reach out to a freelancer or an agency like us, like to, to help you with that too, because yeah. we're going to see it in different lights, you know, exactly. but we can help kind of extract the key points and do a summary in a way of here's what happened on your website for the past six months. So yeah. this will determine, do you need a, a website design? And because you can point to the data versus, well, my CEO, my boss, he thinks it just doesn't look good or they're tired. He, yeah, yeah. They're kind of bored with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what are some of the things like when I'm, when I first get an inquiry and I'm setting up a sales call with someone and I click over to their website, there are some things right away that are huge problems. So let, I'll give you one example from last week. Someone reached out and I could tell right away that the site was at least 10 years old, like just really super old graphics and, mm -hmm. you know, style and everything. But the biggest problem was that there was a little blog section over on one side and it was full mm -hmm. of, it had been hacked. So it was full mm -hmm. of like Russian posts and some porn spam. And oh. this is a law firm. Like it was yeah. so bad. So anyway, so that was one thing like right away. I was like, oh my gosh, you have a problem. This is mm -hmm. not just me saying, oh, it's not pretty. This is a big problem. So what are some of the other things, you know, maybe not that major and serious, but some other things that you notice right away that are problematic on a website? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely an extreme case, and that just shows <laughs> lack of care at the end of the Seriously. day. It's like you're not even looking at your website. You're not paying attention. Yeah. yeah. The other is, is maybe another obvious one of your website's just not mobile-friendly, and I, I can't yes. believe I'm even saying that still in 2023, but <laughs> the hard truth is that there are a lot of websites that still are not mobile-friendly that you have to zoom in to see things because it's not responding to your device and screen size. Yes, yeah. So that's a, that's a huge red flag to say, like, they haven't even updated their website in at least 10 years plus at this yeah. point, you know? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, easily. That's, come on, what people, your website, you need to for sure be checking on it. If you aren't checking on it, you need to have someone scanning and regularly checking on it on a daily basis. Like you need mm-hmm. to make sure that it's not being hacked. And it you have to do an update at least every two to three years. Like that's mm-hmm. just, you know, and it doesn't have to be an entire overhaul, but this is just standard. You are running a business. It's like, what is it like? It's like, <laughs> it's like having a car, but not changing your oil. When it's yes. Due. Yeah, exactly. Why would and, you not take care of your car that you spent all this money on exactly. and updating it or buying a new car? Yeah. But then that car is directly like driving the business to your website too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's the car that is the most important first impression of your web, uh, of your business too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll think of an analogy. Somehow I'm, I'm still hoping to tie it back to sandwiches. Mm. <laughs> we got to do that at some point. It's like having a sandwich without bread almost like it's, oh. you know, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I like a wrap from time to time, but sure. bread is, is where it's at. I yeah, think. you could go open-faced too, you know, just go with one <laughs> Totally, the just the one. Balance it out, you know, make yeah. sure that the, the quantities are all appropriate. Yeah, so, watch the carbs. Exactly. So speaking of space and quantities and appropriate amount of ingredients, mm. let's talk about white space and kind of having somewhere for your eye to rest. This, mm-hmm. oh, this is such a point of contention for so many of my clients, especially yeah. because they are they tend to do what you were talking about earlier, which is just cram all the words in and you know say every every possible version of what they're trying to say over and over. So, mm-hmm. talk about white space and why that's important. White space adds breathing space with, and it makes it, the design look more breathable and not as cluttered which breeds sort of that trust that there's a clean, minimal design there. It doesn't, maybe not even minimal. You can, have a, you can have a busy design, but it doesn't have to be scrunched in and things almost touching each other as far as headings with fonts too close to the body copy, having an image be too flush to the text that's around it for like a blog post or something. Maybe this isn't relevant for this, but it, it, it's somewhat. Consistency breeds trust is a quote yes. that I've read. I don't even know who does it, so I can't attribute it to them. But It's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one in the sense that consistency is great, but also consistent design. So yes. kind of spitballing off of the white space is like that goes towards your design and your theme of your website. But you have other pages. Say you have a you know five to seven page like marketing website, right? Just like yep. brochure, kind of bare bones basic site. But if your headings look like one font and one style on the homepage, and then as you get into the about page or the services or the contact or something, they're a different font at a different size with different stuff happening around it, that's inconsistent. And that to me looks messy. So it looks amateur, right? Yes. So just like the, the steakhouse analogy or any like upper caliber and tier of something, whether it's the restaurant Mm -hmm. industry or car, right? So we always talk about brands and stuff, just like, you know, the, the Mercedes Benz, BMW, the, the higher, more polished and shiny brands, they had a different website design and look and feel versus 100%. the more approachable ones, maybe even the more like crunchy, hippie, Subaru kind of vibe. Yeah. You know, it's all branding at the end of the day. Yes. But all of that tells a certain message, even subconsciously, as I'm looking at the website and I'm kind of absorbing how everything is designed, laid out, the colors, the structural uh, layout of everything that all plays into that. Yeah. I love the analogy, or I guess it's not really an analogy, but I like the, the phrase that space is luxury. 
space is luxurious. So when you think not just in ads and marketing, but think about the more real estate space you have, Mm -hmm. like we all spend more money to have more space around us. So a larger hotel room is going to be more expensive. So it's luxury. It's you know, a higher cost, higher value. And so when you do the opposite of that space and you cram things in, it all of a sudden feels feels tight, but it also mm-hmm. feels cheap and it feels yeah. the opposite of luxury. So if you mm-hmm. are conveying this brand that is exclusive, luxurious, you are an expert and you're conveying your expertise and you are trying to speak to even not necessarily super high net worth people, but even just people who think they deserve a, a high value lawyer. But then mm-hmm. your website looks like you're selling used cars. It's a mm-hmm. complete disconnect. And like you said, yeah. it's going to confuse people. And then they're suddenly going to think, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm yeah. just going to back away. I can't make this decision right now. Yeah, it's true. I, I saw, I follow a bunch of design sites on Instagram and all that and stuff. And there was someone that took a lot of the logos of all these luxury brands that are out in the world, yeah. even like Apple and stuff. And they just took the letter spacing and scrunched it all together and oh. did, didn't expand it. And it, it completely blew my mind of just that little tweak. And the image and the perception of that logo completely changed. So yep. taking that and kind of thinking of it in the broader terms of yes. when you're scrunching stuff into space without that white padding around it and that breathing space, it gets interpreted differently. Yes. Oh, that would be cool to see. Just because I th- we're so used to seeing certain brands and their logos. And mm. when you all of a sudden see them wrong done wrongly that's all it just is so jarring and so think about the the white space in terms of how jarring that's going to be versus and and your competitors are probably not doing this very well so if you come across and do this in a really artful way and it um, conveys this elevated experience All of a sudden, it's one of those things that people are going to say, oh, I, I don't know what it was on your website, but I just knew. I just had this feeling. And as soon as you start hearing those kinds of comments, that's when it's the design. When yeah. it's like, you don't necessarily, as the c- client, know what it was, but I do. I know that it was design. I know that we put a lot of intention into all of those choices to make you feel that way. It doesn't just happen. It, yeah. it doesn't just kind of appear like a fairy out of the, you know, like, boom, it, it, it has to be very thoughtfully put together. All right. So what else in terms of user experience, can you talk about like what happens for conversion? Actually, before we get to conversion, let's talk about fonts and color choices. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to go back a little bit to like branding as a whole, which kind of ties into fonts and colors and stuff. So we talked, we talked about like the navigation component and that's like, you know, one very small piece, but heavily important piece of the puzzle. But let's zoom out for a second. Okay. If your logo sucks and your logo is not translatable, meaning it doesn't scale well. So you could have a bad font choice that some, you know, your, your brother's sixth cousin did and then you got yeah and then or (laughs) you went on i don't want to you know badmouth fiverr or any of those sites but you went on a site like that uh, i'll say and got one for really cheap meaning like price was the was the contention point then yeah yeah, then you're going to get what you pay for and you're going to start to realize the more that your business scales you don't have a logo that can scale with you so yes 
the fonts are super important to kind of tie into not only the website design, but having your logo be designed well from the start, meaning getting it in a vector file so you can use it for web and print, which is huge. Second is just the choice of fonts, like the actual design of the logo, making sure that it scales down from, I always say, a business card to a billboard. You know, you can scale it from smallest to largest view and it's going to look crystal clear and it's going to translate well. So think about your website. If you're scaling it down to maybe, you know, 400 pixel rectangular square or even smaller, hopefully your tagline in there or even maybe not, but your main font can be legible at that small size, you know? So that's first and foremost is make sure you have your branding in place. And because of that, your colors will be kind of dictated from your logo or you can obviously look at like complementary colors to use as like accents on the buttons or something like that on the website. And then you're gonna wanna use like heading fonts. So a couple, two different trains of thoughts here is take your logo fonts and if people wanna stay consistent, you can take, you know, the logo font and use that for your headings as well, but then have like a complementary body font. You know, use like a serif for the heading and use a sans serif. So maybe like, you know, for the non-font nerds, we'll use a Times New Roman for the heading. And, oh, and it, please don't. <laughs> yeah, don't because it's not going to look good. But that no. style, yeah. that style of font and then like a Helvetica slash Arial as like the body because that'll be But not nice. those. But not those, <laughs> yeah. but that style yes. to be scalable and legible, you know. Yeah. So it has that contrast, you know. So your whole website doesn't look like a newspaper in Times New Roman. And, exactly. it, and it also doesn't look plain and boring and all aerial or like a kindergarten teacher. Yeah, right. Exactly. Not yeah. even not even mentioning Comic Sans in there. Oh, um, gosh. We won't go down. You that know route. what people are going to walk away from this episode? Marcus told me to use Times New Roman <laughs> and Ariel. <laughs> so that's not. why I'm like trying to be very clear that yeah. we are talking about the style, not those exact fonts. Do not yeah. use Times and Ariel and under no circumstances should you use Comic Sans or Please. Papyrus. Papyrus Please. is the bane of my existence. I cannot mm-hmm. stand that font. And, you know, there's, there's, a, there, did, have you seen the SNL? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it's good. So yeah, check yeah. that out. We may link to that one in the show notes because it's so good. <laughs> but font choice is important, but not Times Not those specific font choices. There's <laughs> yeah, a lot of right? other good looking fonts and that's why you yes. should hire a designer who knows typography. Who knows, yes. Super important there. So yes. tying back into the website side of things, you want to find complementary fonts. And ideally, if you're working with a designer, they would give you a web style guide. That's yes. the ideal dream to get a file that says, here's all the fonts from headings one through six. Here yep. are what the button should look like on active state, on hover state. Here are what the form field should look like for a contact form or an email list sign up. Basically setting the ground rules. Again, the blueprint, but it's the visual blueprint of how things should look from a visual standpoint. And that style guide, ideally, should come from the person who did your branding and your logo. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, So that, like, if it's done correctly and well and you've paid the, the correct amounts... A style guy should be the part of what's included there so that they're yeah. defining all of those details. And like you said, when that happens and I get one of those, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, the clouds just parted and I see I hear like singing and stuff. It's yeah. so nice because all of a sudden, you know, right out of the gate that the design is on track and it's going to mm-hmm. be nice and tight and it's going to be it's going to look great and it's yeah. all going to tie together. And it was thought it thoughtful. Mm-hmm. thought it yeah <laughs> i don't know what that word is <laughs> <laughs> it was thoughtful for sure but it also yeah. like you said it, it shows that you care about your branding and your design you know exactly. a lot of industries 
may do not creative work in the sense of like it's not a very visually sexy kind of industry. So they think that the logo has to be as plain and not yes. even care about that. But it's such a it's a lost point, you know. It's it, it drops, really is. It drops short because when I see a company that stands out just a tiny bit, you know, not not so much where it's alarming, but kind of has their own character and their own personality. And they're differentiating themselves that way, you know? Right. And it also shows and it that they always care. St- exactly. And it always starts with the logo. It mm-hmm. always starts with a really nice, clean, sharp logo that um, really complements and works well with all of the other elements on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So then you wanted to lead into conversion and where kind of cluttered websites, I feel like, and I, I'm guessing you do too, Oftentimes when I'll get, have a call where people say, oh, our website doesn't do anything. It just sits there. It's, it's doesn't really, you know, it's not really important to us. Mm-hmm. Usually, first of all, I, I kind of respond in sort of a shock. Like it, that's, that's not the way to just live. That's mm-hmm. like saying, oh, you know, our house is on fire. It's, it's well, you know, it's, it's a little smoky, but, yeah. but that's not the way to, that's not sustainable. You, your website should be doing something. It should be a functioning member of your team 24 hours a day. <laughs> and oftentimes there, there are some significant issues related to some of these clutter issues that we're talking about. So mm-hmm. where do you think, how do you think this all ties together with clutter, design issues, and conversion? Yeah, a couple good points there. So if your website's cluttered, if you have a lot going on, the messaging is convoluted, right? That's not going to yeah. lead to someone wanting to talk to you. That, yeah. To me, that doesn't sit well. If I'm confused, especially the more that I stay on your website, the more confused that I get, that's a problem. I'm going to just X out. I'm going to move on to the next person. Life's too short to be sitting there reading a website trying to figure it out. So especially in this like new process, my first time on your website, I'm looking for someone to take care of this problem that I have. Yep. You do that, but somehow you're not telling me that. And that's a problem. Yep. So, you know, if I'm getting that on first impression, imagine how I'm going to feel if I was giving you money and you were working on a case or or a problem. Like that doesn't make me feel comfortable and want to give you the money. So right. That's how it kind of ties into, obviously, the, the biggest question to kind of zoom out again is, what does conversion look like for you? A website should convert, period. So what is, how do you define conversion for your website? So I know in the e-commerce world, obviously, it's, I got an order, I got a sale, great. Sure. But some examples, obviously, that you, you may or may not be familiar with is filling out a contact form, right? Like reaching yeah. out, signing up for an email newsletter, uh, getting a free consultation. Maybe that's an offering that you have as a call to action button because hopefully yeah. your website has a call to action button, right? Yes. Seriously. <laughs> Something that you are asking of your users, right? To click yeah. on. Um, yeah. So schedule a free consultation. And that could be another contact form, right? That gets routed to the right person. Or it could be a Calendly sign up or, you know, a HubSpot meeting link or whatever that they can book it right there. Perfect. Yep. You can easily track conversions off that. Yep. Or are you offering some sort of white paper, like a PDF, an ebook? something as like a lead magnet essentially to say hey yeah. we did this pdf give us your email right that's we can track the clicks we can track the submissions and that's the conversion right there but if you just have a basic website also you just want to track how many people are clicking on the phone number to call you on mobile as i was going to say oftentimes it is just a phone call but yeah. you have to be asking them mm-hmm. so you know how did you hear how did you get my name how did you hear of us you mm-hmm. need to know that people are 
coming from the website or a Google search. Because how do you know if the how, otherwise it's just you're in a black hole and you don't have the data. And if you don't have the data, then you can't do anything from there. Like you're, it's just such a loss. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of people I've talked to also who are like, yeah, I forget to ask or whatever. It's like, ah, you're yeah. killing me. <laughs> yeah. Again, if you asked, hey, how did we get our clients? How do, how do we get our clients? I, hopefully you have an answer. I, yeah. I personally started doing that in the past couple of years because I was a culprit of not knowing. And I yeah. started to track all of our leads and customers. So now I can just pull up an Airtable database that we have and look at the report and say, well, 50% comes here, 30% here. Hopefully yeah. you can do the same. And hopefully you remember to at least ask that or send out an email with a questionnaire or whatever yeah. the tool and method and medium is. It doesn't matter just as long as you're getting that piece of data, because that is also a piece of data that can drive your decision making as far as future marketing. Right. And honestly, like it's usually the first part of the call where it's <laughs> like, oh, OK, you schedule a call with me and they'll often say, oh, I, I was on your website or I did a Google search or for me for a long time, it was I read some article that you wrote over on this you know website or whatever. And so I kept hearing that over and over and over. I read this article and then you know, whatever. And so I instantly I didn't even have to ask. It was like, but when I, ha I have an kind of a, what uh, lawyers would call an intake form mm -hmm. and it is a checkbox that I have to go through and they are either telling me that or I'm asking so that I don't miss yep. that piece. Like you have a system for that. It's not that hard. Just have yeah. a form that you fill out, even if it's on a piece of paper where you are going through and making sure that you are asking the things that are important. I mean, come on. It's like, <laughs> get their phone number, get their name, yep. you know, yeah. <laughs> basic, basic stuff. But so many people are not doing that. And if you're not doing it, you're not alone. You're definitely, you know, like among many, but like, let's, let's make that better. If you get nothing else from, from this episode, <laughs> get that. Okay. So before we go to the book review, anything else that you feel really critical in terms of cluttered websites, conversion, I feel like we've covered a lot already. So anything else that you wanted to cover in, in that whole world of visual strain? <laughs> yeah, we have covered a lot. I'd say just in general, honing in on the strategy more, I guess I'll reiterate what I said earlier is, is that strategy. And again, paying attention to not only just visual clutter, right, but content clutter is a thing. Yeah. So, you know, having that strategy, again, starting with the architecture and the blueprint for the website that will dictate, you know, your content strategy. And a lot of times, we're using it as a reset, you know, getting a website redesign is a chance to zoom out, take a deep breath, and say, all right, we're gonna build this from the ground up again. Now's yep. the time to look at the analytics. Do we even need this page? Do we even need this right. whole entire section? Are we getting visitors? Are we getting traffic there? Uh, how is this resonating with our, with our users? Most of the time, it's probably not. Um, so take it out. Um, yeah. and, and you can even just start to rearrange things you know, and simplify uh, and have more of a top level to a parent and child level and you start to kind of get that architecture down. So content clutter is real. It's a real thing, not only on and, the page, in architecture as well. And Google doesn't like it either. And this is surprising mm -hmm. because in the past it was like, just throw as much content as you can on a website and just keep like, cramming it all in there. But now what we're seeing is by taking some of those unused pages that nobody goes to and removing that and clearing your website out and making it more streamlined, mm -hmm. Google likes that better too. So right. it does improve your rankings as well over, overall. Okay, yeah. so 
it is time for the book review. And if you haven't visited our website, there is an awesome library there that all of the guests on the show recommend a business book usually related to what we're talking about. And so there's, we're now over 100 episodes, so there's tons of books on the library that if you're looking for something like good to, to read, you can first listen to the episode and figure out like why we were talking about that book and then go through the library. So Marcus, what's the book that you were going to add and recommend today? This one is called Stories That Stick by Kendra Hall. I read it a while ago. So I'm going to try to rack my brain of why I like it. I, I, <laughs> it, it literally has stuck with me. So the title yeah. works, but <clears throat> she's, she did a really good job of kind of unpacking like the framework of the consistent set of actions basically that will tell the story. Yeah. So we talked about content, we talked about design and branding and website user experience. All of that tells a story, right? Yes. And yes. some people will say that's branding, right? Branding tells a story. Yeah. You know, that's brand what how's the quote go? I think it's like branding is what people say about you when you leave the room. Right. Yes. I for, I don't know if it was Steve Jobs or someone famous said that. I'm really bad with attribution of quotes. It's okay. That's <laughs> um, all right. We can, t- but, we can give it to Steve Jobs, but I have yeah. heard that one many, many times too. And yeah. I think it's so true because it's your, it's basically your reputation. Yeah, exactly. I think it was Jeff Bezos at, at Amazon maybe, but either okay. way, regardless. <laughs> okay. So she's a really good storyteller and she kind of breaks it down into like these four different stories that you can use to kind of like captivate and differentiate yourself. Um, <clears throat> so besides just what storytelling is, right, uh, the emotional connection that you get from words that you read. Uh, as well as like the emotional attachment of colors, right? So there's a reason why like banks use blue because it's very trustworthy and like the whole color theory stuff, right? So there's that from an emotional standpoint, but then there's also ways to kind of craft up the content. So there's value story, the founder story, the purpose story, and the customer story. And they all have different motives. Value is to convince customers what, what you provide. The founder is to persuade investors or customers. Your organization is worth the investment. The purpose is to align and inspire your employees and internal customers. And then the customer story is to those who use your product or service to kind of share your authentic experiences with others. So it's definitely like a skill, right? It's almost like literally telling a story, right? There's ways to talk and accentuate and pause and, you know, public speaking and all that. You're telling a story and there's ways to articulate certain things to have more of an emotional connection or less of an emotional connection. And this book really kind of hit the nail on the head of different ways to craft up your own story. So yeah. from a branding lens, but also the delivery of it, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think in terms of design and clutter, once you start telling these stories, whether it's stories of the work that you've done or stories of your clients and the cases, obviously, like within, you know, respectful privacy and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. But that's what connects with people right away. So, you know, when you're describing in a design sense how you've done this work in a storytelling visual way versus Mm -hmm. just like slapping an image up and kind of saying, I do this kind of law and I'm in this city, that doesn't really tell a story. It's Mm -hmm. it's really not, you know, it's not very compelling at all. But once it all of a sudden is kind of telling that story, then all of a sudden your visitor sticks around longer they click through like your results just go through the roof and i will say the design in a storytelling way is more difficult because Mm -hmm. you have to think through the whole path of that but when it's done right and well that's what works Mm -hmm. 
So kind of bringing it back to the idea of design and clutter and, you know, keeping it clear and succinct. If you've got a story there, it it makes it, it does make the, the language and the words easier, but then you've got to kind of tie in all the, the design elements. But yeah, like I said, it just makes it, it, when you feel like you've gone through a website and you've got that story, first of all, you're going to remember that more. And then you're more like, it's more likely to convert too. So absolutely. Awesome. Well, you know, a minute ago, you kind of summarized what you said earlier. And so I was going to ask you what uh, a big takeaway is that you'd like people to get from the show. But you did already kind of (laughs) talk about sort of coming back to strategy. Any other sort of overarching idea or theme in terms of like mistakes and clutter on websites that you'd like people to take away from from this episode? Without repeating myself or saying more negative things, I'd say the opposite is just oversimplify things, you know, yes. don't try to do too much. And I'm generalizing it again. But you know, start small, especially if it's your first site or a redesign, again, scaling things back, you know, and go for simplicity with more of a, a true message and a more of a meaningful message than trying to over message, I guess. If that's, yeah, that's a word. Yeah, and think, look at some of these examples of these major companies that we're talking about, you know, Apple, of course, is the most obvious, but they don't have paragraphs and paragraphs of text on their website Mm -hmm. and there's probably someone in their organization that you know that's probably the lawyer that is handing them that much text to put on the website and then the designers are like ew (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) and so try to pare it down and i will say it's it's often uncomfortable for lawyers and the gut reaction is, oh, there's so much more. And they'll often, when I'm going through design that's very succinct, it um, often tries to get blown up. But resist that, that urge. Try to keep it really clean and succinct so that uh, it just comes through so much better. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Awesome. That's a tool. Exactly. Marcus Ohanishan is the owner of Perfect Evolution. And this was, I love talking about design stuff. I could do this all day long, but we're going to kind of try to keep <laughs> keep this to a, a minimal, normal length. But thank you so much for being here. And obviously the show notes, every, all that good stuff's on the website. Thanks again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.